I'm Amanda Connor, and I'm with Harley Quinn, and she's that dangerous girl that you all love so much. And you're listening to Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. Today with us, we have the seedy raccoon vendor... Curtis. <laughs> I've never sold a raccoon in my life. We have the corrupt meter master, Ross. Hi. <laughs> I don't I don't know how sure what that is even. That's the one who goes back behind your house and looks at your power meter. Oh, okay. Never yes. Corrupt. Corrupt. Alter the space time continuum. Yes. <laughs> If you didn't use enough power, he's going to make sure you did. <laughs> we have the man who steals the pine cones out of your tree and then throws them at your windshield. CBS. <laughs> They're covered in pitch and they stick. <sighs> I'm glad that's the only thing we're doing up in a tree. That's not the only thing. And on a car. <laughs> Sometimes he buys the raccoons from Curtis. Occasionally I buy raccoons. That way I can pin it on somebody. It's all about deniability. Sweet army of raccoons. Hell is yeah. <laughs> Go, and they just scatter everywhere. That's not <laughs> what I meant. <laughs> Get back in your cages. And the guy spying at you from underneath the manhole covers in the middle of the street. Rob. That's that's why they clatter when you drive over them. It's like, <laughs> I'm watching. That's a creepy title. I'm watching yeah. you. There's a, lot, there's a lot of words in that. So, <laughs> I think there'd be a better place to hide. You think there would be a good. <laughs> you think there'd be a good acronym, but no, no. The business card's actually just a sketch. It's little eyes underneath the manhole. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, it's bad. At first, I thought of Ninja Turtles, and then I thought of Pennywise the Clown. <laughs> Both come from the streets. <laughs> yep. And that under the streets, that's what I meant by that. They all from the streets? <laughs> I don't know. You mean that like from Compton? No. <laughs> well, maybe. I, I don't know. I'm pretty I sure they from, have sewers in Compton. I meant from the sewers. They all float. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, Floating with the... Even uh, the turtles. Yay. Crazy nonsense. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's good. That's Rob, everybody. Nice good times yeah. um so uh today we're doing episode number 70 <laughs> all right <laughs> okay you stop it over Sorry. there my yeah you got stuck it's all right uh see book wise uh we'll be going over devil cable number one the green lantern Corpse, Edge of Oblivion, number one. Gotta take a while to chuck that out of there. Uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, zero, from Boom Comics. Uh, Venom Space Knight, number two, from uh, Marvel. And then uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Batman. Reverse that. Batman, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number two, from DC Comics. And IDW. And IDW. Deadpool's from Marvel, and Green Lantern's from DC. But to figure that one out. You know, I would say it's self-explanatory. <laughs> Once you got to the middle and you're like, who the hell makes that? Who makes Batman? Right, well, you know. Detective Comics Comics? <laughs> That's, well, yes. It's like ATM machine. <laughs> yeah. 
Anyway, uh, <laughs> good stuff. So, uh, Ross, want to start with a little news from the dog pile? Or no, Ross and dog pile? How does that go? Ross and the dog pile. Ross, we got a little news. No, want to well, start no, with, no, let's start Ross. with, there you go. Jeez. Go ahead, do you do you it. You had to practice? Yes. No, you go ahead. No, you do it. You're the showrunner. Mother. <sighs> now a little news Ooh. from Ross and the dog pile. Damn it. <laughs> First, I forgot about some kind of sad news that I forgot to mention before we started, which was they finally canceled the live-action Teen Titans show that was supposed to happen that they've been talking about. Oh, forever. man. That's too bad. Take that, TNT. Thank God. No. <laughs> oh. well, everybody else was sad about it. No. Not everybody can be. Okay. Okay. It's kind of weird that they canceled it. You'd think they'd be all over that since Arrow and Supergirl and Flash. Flash, it's all doing so good. Uh, Maybe they saw Constantine and they're like, oh man, people don't like this stuff. Although that's wrong because Constantine was fantastic. You might think that it was on TNT and no no other other shows are on there. Right. So they may have canceled it to try and pitch it back to WB or... Somewhere else to bring it into the channel. same fucking... That makes sense. Maybe. Same fold. Yeah. I'm about throwing an F-bomb out there. <laughs> connect, connect the universe. Yeah. Right. No, that makes sense. And I guess there's still talks with uh, Supergirl and Flash crossing over, too. Yeah, there were rumors about that for a while, so I'd be surprised I, that didn't happen. I guess Supergirl's every time... Flashing? Is that what you're telling yeah, me? I think that's something different. <laughs> every time they ask the producer of Supergirl if that's going to happen, he's like, well, I can't really say anything about it, so... Maybe he doesn't know. Probably. That's what that'd be my answer. <laughs> well, he's the producer, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would go with the uh, and then shrug my shoulders and walk away. <laughs> They're like, you're you're at a table during a conference. I go, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> Interviews over. First question, and I'm out the door. I'd just be glad I didn't have a table to throw at you. Sorry <laughs> right about that. Just drop the mic moment right there. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what, was that an answer? I don't know what... What are we supposed to do for the next 45 minutes? And then the internet goes wild. <laughs> Perfect. In uh, more, like, DC Comics-related news, I guess they're renaming Mira into Aquawoman. And that's starting in the DC Bombshells. I don't remember which issue number it is. But in the actual write-up for it on DC's website now, it's, they're calling her Aquawoman instead of Mira. And that's supposed to be a new thing to rebrand her to have a better name to sell things, I guess. How is that a better name? Uh, I guess it's got more... More brand appeal, I think, right. is what they're going for. Hmm. Somebody in an office somewhere has got a piece of paper that says they know how to do something as a job. It's, it's like, hey, you know what's so better? It's a lot of Mira is just a name, you know, and... It's a more uncommon name than... I, I would say it's uncommon enough to work, but yeah, I see what you're saying. Aquaman, they don't call him Arthur. Yeah. They call him Aquaman. Personally, I would rather they kept it with Mira, too, but I kind of understand why they're trying to push the... Can they try Aquet? Aquaet? Aquaet. I think it's a drink. <laughs> uh-uh. No. No, it's not. It's Aquafina. Oh, right. They should really go. try that. They could brand it like that. There you go. <laughs> Like that may be already in use. South side of the seas. <laughs> and in that same uh, kind of vein, 
it's not been official yet, but they cast Mira for Dawn of Justice and the Aquaman movie in Justice League. Yeah. It's a, a lady named Amber Heard. Oh, yeah. I guess. Really? I don't, I don't know what else she's in myself, I, but. Asylum or something like that. Oh, yeah. She was a crazy lady. Ghosts and stuff. Evidently, she was connected to Nick Cage in that one movie. Oh, huh. Where he drives a car. Sweet. <laughs> was it Drive Mad? Oh, Drive Angry? Something like that. Or, she was in that. Huh. Was Drive Angry? Nick yeah, Drive Angry. It is a 3D movie. Okay. 3D Drive Angry. She's a good-looking lady, but she's crazy. She's supposed to be Nick Cage's daughter or something on like that. And there were a couple outside of that movie. So. Oh, were they? Yeah. That's creepy. Creepy. Even worse I mean, there are a couple inside. He's also vampireless forever, so... <laughs> he's not. Yeah, he is. It's, it looks like he's on face-off 24-7 now. Just because he comes on the sun too much. He's bringing up his head every year or so. <laughs> so messed up, man. She was great. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's a pretty easy thing to change hair color, but it makes me wonder if they're going to try to make a Mira blonde, too. Since Jason Momoa is Samoan. Well, just they, do a different. Yeah, you got to bring the Caucasian back to the seas. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she's kind of got. I don't know. I've, she, most of the time she appears blonde, but she's kind of got a strawberry color to it too. Occasionally, I can so. see her as an amber. I yeah, mean, not just her name, but an amber color. Right. Yeah. I, well, and like I said, they could dye her hair easy enough too. Right. But it just makes me wonder, since they're not really too worried about like hair color, or race, or anything with the characters, it makes me wonder what they'll do with her. Yeah. Well, once again, I think for Aquaman, they're they're trying to sell as hard as they can. Except Aquaman, right now, you know, because mm. people have such a bad idea of who Aquaman is. Mm. You know? I think it's. I think no matter what, you're gonna have that. I think it's gotten better recently than it has been in the past. But no, it's true. You know, even if if he doesn't come across really strong in this movie, it's gonna be a real tough. Sell in the box office. Yeah. For Aquaman. Yeah. Um, I think... Wasn't there somebody else that they have said might be in this new Batman vs. Oh, Superman? yeah, there's a rumor that Bizarro will show up in the movie. Which, I guess, uh, it's basically official news now that Doomsday is a clone of Zod. And so the bizarro, what people are thinking is that Luther is going to try to clone Superman after he clones Zod. Which is kind of interesting, because I always pictured Doomsday as, like, a more powerful character than bizarro ever. But in this in this case, it seems like he's more of the prototype, too. And I think maybe it just might be look alone and name for second name. Mm. What if it's Superman DNA and Zod DNA? Mixed together? And he's trying to clone something that resembles them and gets Doomsday. And then he just tries to clone Superman directly from Superman DNA and gets... Maybe. Bizarro. That sounds like a Superman 2 movie. Yeah. I don't remember it. No, that's, that hasn't happened yet. Well. That's it. <laughs> no, it just sounds like a good plot for a Superman okay. 2. <laughs> I mean, Which, technically, that's what this one's supposed to be anyway. No. No. Uh, it's, it's sequel to Man of Steel. <laughs> but supposedly they're working on a Superman 2, actual titled Superman 2. Oh, really? Yeah. I, this is, there's no way around it. This is their Let's Have Justice League Today movie. Mm. 
You know, they they don't want to call it that because they don't want to look like they're being petty, but that's exactly what it is because they are being petty. And it's not that you have to be the same as Marvel because you don't. Mm. But every time you turn around, there's a new character or a new person in this movie. It's true. I don't know how they're going to fit anything in this film. Well, yeah, it'll definitely be different because, I mean, Marvel, you had the build-up with every movie. Yeah. Two Avengers. And in this case, it's kind of like we had Batman and Superman, and they're not really connected to the first Batman now, but now we're going to have the second Superman movie with everyone in it all at the same time. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you know, like, how are you going to have any room for all these characters? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of characters you got to sell, because you got to sell Aquaman strong, you got to sell Cyborg strong. Wonder Woman, I think you're going to be fine, but... You know, if you do a terrible job on Doomsday, now that you're throwing him in there, and a terrible job on Bizarro, and if your Lex Luthor doesn't work, I mean, yeah, it's this is all going to be a problem. I guess the good thing is, there's not as many people complaining about Affleck anymore. It's true. In in all honesty, the way I see this movie happening is you have the whole first part of the movie that's all about Batman and Superman and Lex Luthor. And then towards the end, you might get Aquaman and Wonder Woman in it. And then at the very, very end, like as your cliffhanger, you might introduce Cyborg and the other Justice League members. I kind of see it as they're going to, like Steve said prior to recording, it's going to be cameo, cameo, and they're just going to be introduced during the fight with Doomsday. Yeah. Uh, the only ones that I think are going to matter, and that's just because they have the poster so far, are Aquaman and Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Other than Batman and Superman, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right, well, cameo, cameo, fight, cameo, in. Or it's going to be a six-hour movie. <laughs> Might be. <laughs> so. Sweet. You get your money's worth, pack a blanket. <laughs> that's true. That mostly for when you want to take a nap during it. Yeah, w- watch it twice, that way you can take a nap. Or go to the... So when's your show start? 12? Okay, we'll be there at 2. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, well, I, I, you know, I don't... I, I still think... The trailers make it look good. I still think Doomsday looks questionable. So I guess we'll see. But... Yeah, my guess is that we're going to actually spend the majority of the film, Batman, Superman, doing Batman, Superman things, uh, that'll probably feel a lot like Dark Knight. And then... Pretty close to the end, we're going to attack on Doomsday and possibly Bizarro as a, oh, look how dangerous these guys are. Well, here's our champions to save us, Bizarro and Doomsday, which will, of course, be too out of control. And then we have to band together, and all the Justice League will show up, and they'll do some stuff. All, we'll yeah. end. all I want to know is if they show Bizarro flying backwards. Probably not. Because that would be <laughs> awesome. I want to if. I'm worried now that we've heard that Bizarro's going to be in it that they'll just have the same actor with Superman and it'll just be, like, anti-Superman. Kind of like what they did in Smallville. What I hope they do is the crazy monster Bizarro from, like, Forever Evil that breathes fire and shoots ice out of his eyes and is just out of control the whole time. Yeah. Mm. It'd be cool. You know, they could also just get a blonde guy. Yeah. I mean, you know. We've, we've seen that before once, right? Wasn't that, it was Nuclear wasn't that? Man, Rob. Nuclear what? Man. He's not the same. <laughs> oh, he's not Bizarro? It's not Dolph Lundgren either. Yeah. He does look like Dolph Lundgren, though. <laughs> One other quick 
prediction I have for this. Okay. Because I think Batman is going to be way more comic booky than he's ever been in Batman movies. With the exception of, like, the Batman and Robin and Batman Forever that went straight to, like, 60s Batman all over again. You mean Batman 66 movies? Yeah. Okay. But, but I think that this Batman is going to be more rooted in the comics and do more crazy things than he's done in... Oh, that's cool. In the Dark Knight movies. I'll be all right with that. Mm. So, so, you mean he's going to be less... Less Dark Knight and more Schumacher. I, I'm thinking he's being, like, less grounded in reality? Yeah, more sci-fi gadgets and stuff that you wouldn't necessarily think is necessarily super believable all the time. I will just be happy if he doesn't have to call Lucius Fox to fix things or make things every two seconds. Yeah. Like, you know... Batman's not a dumb guy. At least he didn't used to be. He's not supposed to be. Neither was Batgirl, though. The comic books are trash that idea. Well, that's true. Take that, Batgirl. Every single show I can get one in on there. I'm going to try <laughs> to for the rest of the year. Until they, they fix it. Uh, that means girl, whatever else. Yeah, man. So we just started. <laughs> all right. Anything else, Ross, news-wise? Um, that's all I remember. I don't know if anyone else has anything, though. Yeah, yeah, toilet flush effect. I'm going to be done with the news. No? <laughs> Bad idea? All right, I'll stop. Vote on it, folks. Email if you like it. Oh, wasn't there some stuff about uh, Deadpool? We just heard about that. Yeah, that's so. what I was talking about, the toilet flush. Yeah. No, I forgot about the Deadpool. Was, was that? No, it was a joke. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, okay. Well, then... <laughs> All right, there's evidently a, a younger fan that is trying oh, to do a petition. That fits right in the closing I was talking about. <laughs> to get a uh, PG-13 version of Deadpool made mm. so so that he can watch it. So basically just a cut Deadpool to try to get rid of all the... There were rumors before that this was gonna, there was going to be two versions of it. Now they were talking about a 3D version, but if there's a 3D version, I doubt we're going to get four versions of Deadpool. Deadpool rated R, Deadpool rated R 3D, Deadpool PG-13, Deadpool PG-13 3D. I don't know, I could see that, just because the 3D is not that much yeah, of a four, difference. Four from... films, man? No. Two films, yes. I see a 2D R, a 2D PG-13, okay. Yeah. But I don't see a 3D of each and then a, a, two, a 2D of each. So other places, I'm sure it'll sell out places, no doubt. I mean, the movie oh, looks yeah. fantastic. But if you get the box office and you have the option of the radar version, or you have the option of the PG-13 version, uh, what are you going to do? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's kind of a risky thing because, I mean, they push a, the R so hard. It's an interesting concept. I will give you that. I, I, don't, I really don't see them making it just because of all how much of the movie are they going to have to cut out to make that work. That's true. Kids will find a damn way. Well, yeah, well kids it, are going to yeah. see it anyways. You yeah. know what I mean? It's... The internet's going to spoil everything anyway. Yep. We were watching R-rated movies when we were like 11, 12. When yeah. When we were supposed to. Kids are going to find a way. I don't know why this is such a big damn deal. I don't think it is either. It really mm. isn't. It's it's that some little kid started it and some famous person got behind it and now it's all over. He's like, yo, I found a soapbox I could stand on. Good job, guy. Nobody bitched about Kick-Ass being rated R. Right? Well, yeah, but Kick-Ass is something else. And I guess that is kind of the thing is they are marketing Deadpool pretty hard towards everyone but i like walking through target there's definitely deadpool stuff right in the kids toy aisle pretty easy low to the ground where kids can get to it hmm. not that there's anything wrong with the deadpool figures and stuff that would make it inappropriate for kids but i could see where a little kid would get that and be like i want to go see that movie now deadpool's a weird property he just he's 
popular for just being around. Oh, yeah. You know, for, there's not even really a real reason for it. I mean, he's really not been marketed to kids. No. Or people that are not comic fans. And yet both of them like Deadpool. And at the same time, as as I said that, there's little kids that can get the Deadpool toys or whatever. When we were kids, they were made cartoons off of R-rated movies. So it's Heck yeah. Back, back, back in the day when things got made that were fun. I mean, you could get a Jason Voorhees action figure. Right? Yeah. Freddy Krueger action figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, these, it's similar thing, but these are more like actually on the ground level where little kids can get to them type thing. But I don't know. I think it's every, every, uh, I'll shut up. <laughs> no, you're good, man. It's a, it's an odd thing. Everybody has a voice. Yeah. It's not a bad thing in the big term, but God, find something worthwhile to bitch about. Yeah. It's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess we'll see if two versions come out or not. Blah. <laughs> Do not say blah, blah, blah. If it was me <laughs> and I was the mouse, I would make the PG-13 one only 3D. But the mouse isn't doing it, Rob. It's the fox. Well, if I was well, the, the fox, the fox I would say? do it anyways. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I don't even understand what any of that is. Screw you, kids! Ow! <laughs> <laughs> if I was the fox, I'd do it in 3D, too. You, you want to watch PG-13 version? 3D only? Pay it up. Yep. Wait, wait mm. till it goes to cable. <laughs> they, well, that, too. So you're saying that what they should do is release a rated R, 2D, and 3D, and then only 3D PG-13. That's the way I would do it if I was going to do it at all. That is a brilliant kick in the crotch. <laughs> Why don't you work in marketing, Rob? I wouldn't do PG-13 on it, though, because of how big of a deal it was that it was R. Wow. But, you know, that's me. You can you're market gonna... it as a PG-13 and just show the R-rated cut. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> Take that, Mom. <laughs> I need something to tell me whether my kids can watch this or not. It, it would be hilarious if they did that, and all they did was censored out the cussing. It left the blood and stuff? It left everything else the same. Perfect. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. Because Deadpool definitely, like, if you look at the R, it gets the R for everything that it could get an R for. Yeah, it's true. It's like I was saying, the, I don't know if he says this on the show or not, Um like, on a scale of 1 to 10, I feel like the Deadpool movie is going to be turned up to a 13 or a 12, and the comic books actually sit at about a 7 or an 8. Mm-hmm. Because language-wise, it's not out of control language-wise in the books. More like a 5, dude. Well, think about the amount of body parts and things. Even in case of this, it's not... It's it's an it's, it's an animated style or a, or a drawn well, style. Well, depending on what book it is. I mean, some of them are drawn a little more silly than others, but, I mean, the only book that ever had the language the way of the trailer red band version has it is the max book the max deadpool book and it was terrible mm-hmm. like, it was just terrible that's because oh we can cuss in this let's make every other word a cuss word. yeah i mean what the, <laughs> this, that. that wasn't the only thing I mean, it was this terrible that, those two books were horrible they, they they found new ways to be terrible to be terrible in that yeah book. deadpool max not good folks save save your money <laughs> Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. Um, so now we've rained on Deadpool's parade. <laughs> Let's go ahead and kick things off and do uh, book one, the uh, Deadpool Cable split-second team-up. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Is that as you want, Rob? Well, this is, I guess it's not team-up. It's just split-second. <clears throat> but it is 
one. Cable and Deadpool. No, reverse that. Deadpool and Cable. Split second issue one. It's a three part mini series. Uh, let's see who's, who, who we have working on this. We have a story by, uh, Fabian. I don't know how to say his last name. Uh, Nick Nisiza, Nisakaza? Nisiza, I think is close. Something like that. And Riley Brown, which we know about Riley Brown from previous Deadpool stuff, and he did some of that Hercules, uh, Incredible Hercules stuff. And he's got a, on, he's got a digital comic too. Um, I don't remember what it's called though. Art's great though. And then, uh, pencils also by Riley Brown. So, good stuff. Uh, if you don't remember, back in the, I don't know, early 2000s, we had uh, Cable Deadpool as a uh, ongoing series that ran for about, I think, 60, was it 60 issues? Does anybody remember that? It has like six or seven trades. Anyway, it ran for a while. It was really great. So the team-up is not something new to these two characters. Anyway, uh, taking things off, Deadpool's come a lot long way since then. Starting a raid in a Hydra base, and uh, Deadpool is just killing everything. He's being followed by a group of S.H.I.E.L.D. operatives, one of which used to live in his brain, and has made her a little off. Anyway, in the process of doing that, we wound up saving, uh, we wound up saving uh, a scientist who looks a lot like Apollo Creed, which they actually make a joke about, which I thought was hilarious. I love those movies. After that happens, we cut to a scene with Cable, and... Cable had some interesting stuff happen to him. We found out, like, him dying and being reborn, it's more a matter of he transfers his brain to a clone body. This is something that happened in a different series. Yeah. And because of that, like, some of his abilities are gone now. Um, but he's still seeing flashes of the future, at least at this point he is. And one of these flashes leads to uh, him needing to track down Deadpool to stop something from happening. In the process of that, we do a little catch-up with Deadpool because we run into the wife because Deadpool is married for y'all. We went up seeing one of his buddies, uh, Bob from Hydra. Uh, and then, of course, we have a run with Cable and Deadpool. Cable's there to stop Deadpool from doing whatever it is that uh, he has seen happen in the future, which causes bad things to happen. And we have a cool flip in the middle of the story where we revert back to moving from a different point of view. And uh, kind of replays some things from Deadpool's point of view. And uh, we get a little bit of flashbacks of him's memory of how Cable is and... Then things play out when we get to the end of the book where it has a giant catch at the end. Uh, man, trying to keep things secret in this book without spoiling everything is really hard, actually. Uh, wow. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool there, plot points in here. There are. Uh, there's a bunch of them. <laughs> but there was a lot of great gags, too. Like, um, one of the things I, I liked on there a lot was Deadpool spends a lot of time, actually, talking to Cable about how his name comes first now. Uh, and, yeah, like, how that was true. a big deal. Well, back in the old series was Cable Deadpool, because at the time, Cable was the popular character, and now Deadpool has shifted to the forefront, of course, and, uh, so yeah, this, this book being called Deadpool Cable, uh, Deadpool even references the old book by showing a picture of the old book, retitled with Deadpool on top. And there's jokes about that, too, which are pretty funny. Uh, we also get to get the glimpse of, or he makes mention of how he's named his swords, at least for right now, it's Harlan Oates. Harlan awesome. and Oates, which Hall, is hilarious. Hall, Hall and Oates, right? Yeah. Hall and Oates, so Hall's one sword and Oates is the other side. It's kind of hilarious. Sad part is they break up later, so I wonder if that's yeah. going to happen with the sword. They do. One does get shot. <laughs> it, so, it might happen. So, kind of? Um, hopefully that doesn't ruin the story for people, because it shouldn't. That's like <laughs> no. one of the very small jokes. Well, at least I read it. No. Uh, hey. Dang it. 
But yeah, it's, uh, book wise, um, I, you know, I give it a, I give it a three and a half. I mean, the art's fun. I mean, it's Riley Brown, and Riley's awesome, so he's a really cool guy. Actually, that his series was called Play Now. Was that what it was called? Uh, Power Play. Power Play. So if you look up Power Play, uh, it's a digital comic. Um, look it up online. It's it's good stuff. But yeah, he's he's a uh, he's a he's a he's a he's a good writer. And he's a good artist. He's a cool guy. Um, but yeah, as far as the score for book, I, you know, I guess give it three and a half. Um, I like Cable. I like Deadpool, of course, and I like revisiting this whole concept. So. Um, that's what I give it. There you go. Uh, Rob, you got a score for the book? Uh, I'd probably go three and a half as well. I actually really enjoy the book. There's times where I actually, like, like the humor actually got to me. And I like that this connects well with the previous X-Force series, which is where the whole clone bodies things comes from for Cable. Cable's one of those characters that I feel like is kind of just off the radar, so I'm kind of glad to see him back in this book, and hopefully this will be bringing him back into... Back into a story where they, they kind of have like a better idea where they want to go with it. I mean, the last Lexx Force book was really all over the place, which was cool, but it it made it a little hard to see where they were going with his character. Right. Well, I do like how contemporary it is because it's the current place for Cable. It's the current place for Deadpool. So all the backgrounds and at least they read a couple of the books before he started writing it. Right. I, I have a feeling that. I mean, Riley's been doing Spider-Man or being doing been doing Deadpool stuff for a minute. So, oh, yeah. I mean, Conzi always has two or three different Deadpool pieces to get. So, but the writer's been doing it for a long time too. That's true. But and like I was saying, I, I like how they're it's the contemporary place for both characters, without forgetting that things have happened. So uh-huh. that's good. And and I love the beer or the uh, I'm sorry the Golden Girls reference in there, which is always <laughs> nice. So, uh, Miss Curtis. I don't know. I'm tired of Deadpool. <laughs> Probably a three. Okay. Can't, can't be tired of Deadpool yet. Give him no. give him a little bit longer. Yeah, three weeks. <laughs> three weeks you can be tired of him. Dude, I was tired of Deadpool. I think two. What are they called? Years. No. What are they called? Issues. Collected two volumes. Two again. volumes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Although it, that's when I quit getting it. Uh, uh, it was I, right after Merc with a Mouth, I think. Oh man, that's, that's okay. So you're talking full volumes. Yeah. You getting the Brian Pesain stuff? Well, no, I got a couple of them, but I, it didn't do anything for me. Huh. All right. The Dead Presidents. Yeah, crap. I like that. That's good. Uh, Mr. Ross, I'd give it a three as well. Uh, it had some pretty funny stuff. I'm not. I obviously never read the uh, Cable and Deadpool stuff, so I didn't get a lot of those references, but. There's a really funny Clark Kent, what do you say, Holy Clark Kent's glasses. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that pretty, was good. pretty good. And, yeah. and then naming his swords Hollow Notes was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was, that was a pretty funny one, too. I like that. There's a lot of little catch jokes in there like that. Mm. Yeah, they have a, a gag like that with uh, with his guns over in uh, the Spider-Man. Oh, the, the Spider-Man Deadpool. Deadpool. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, for for uh, being, being sick of Deadpool, Uncanny Avengers... That's actually like they actually use that as a part of their story. <laughs> that like the saturation is so high for Deadpool. That's funny. Yeah, it's always breaking the third wall. Good stuff. All right, uh, so let's move on to the Green Lantern Edge of Oblivion number one. Uh, Mr. Curtis, you want to tell me a story about Green Lanterns? Yeah, I haven't read Green Lantern in a while. Right. Uh, the core is kind of lost on me, but evidently they're in another universe. And all the stars have died. 
they they did a series prior to this one that was called uh, Lost Army, and Lost Army leads to the main in the current universe. So they're in this universe and they're on Mogo, and the best part of the book is the interaction between Badge and Guy Gardner. I think. Um, I think so too. Yeah, because Badge starts to cuss out Guy Gardner. And uh, Guy Gardner doesn't take him seriously from this cussing because he's so adorable. <laughs> so uh, Kilowog kind of intervenes between them, and it's uh, the new guy's, what's his name? Baz. Uh, Baz. Baz. And there's another new guy, Norn. Oh. Or something. And yeah. And he's got this kind of link with Mogo, and uh, evidently the group that's on Mogo is not by themselves. And there's another group out there, and they can't get, get contact with them. So Mogo kind of goes supernova, uh, just lighting up so they can see him in the darkness. So in the far-off distance, this other group of lanterns with Iolande sees it, and they head that way. Uh, we cut back to the planet, and there's something coming toward, the, toward Mogo that they can see in the distance. And they see that it's a bigger planet. And they throw up a giant shield. They use their combined powers to throw up a giant shield. And it gets broke through by this big being, like a 30-foot being. And they start fighting this being. The fight squanders down, and we see another being come in. Uh, they do have names. I don't remember what they are. As Asura or something like that is one of them. And evidently this is like the last city on this planet, and they're trying to find refuge or, or get away from this uh, this universe that they're in to get back to where they need to be. So through the course of talking, they come to terms with, hey, we'll help each other out. And it kind of hits home with uh, with Kilowog, because he's the last of the bowl of vaccines or whatever they call them. Right. And he tells Salak, he's like, we're going to help him, and if you don't want to, I'll reach in your head and pull out your brain or something like that. <laughs> so he kind of uh, he kind of throws his weight around there. So the core follows these two beings who do seem to have lantern symbols on them, but they, they're a they little look, more fancy. Yeah, they look very lantern-esque. And uh, one of the lantern ladies is like, she's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. I mean, 30 foot tall, she's going to be in her face regardless. But they go back to the city, and they meet with the city's populace. And evidently, Muck Muck goes off by himself, who's the fish lantern. And uh, he doesn't fare so well in this city by himself. And we'll leave it at that. Did I miss anything? No, I think you got it. Well, except for, if you don't know, Badge is a talking squirrel. Right. At the start. That's what makes it awesome. <laughs> that's, that's why he's so adorable. Yeah. And he's cursing out Guy Gardner. He's not just like... Oh, yeah. No, it, it's it's great. funny because it's squeak, squeak, squeak is what he's saying, but you can tell he's cursing him out. And uh, he and eventually Guy Gardner does agree with him that this, play, <laughs> this is whatever. So I think it's been about maybe a year since I picked up the core. Yeah, a lot of things changed in... The the Lost Army. No. So, it's is written by Tom Army? Taylor and art by Ethan Van Skiver, which is always good art. He's mm. uh, the only the only negative I can say about his art is the way he draws Kilowog, and sometimes the way everybody looks similar in facial construction. But I mean, he's drawn a lot of people, so I understand that. And uh, colors Jason Wright, 
Dave Sharp for letters. So I, I enjoy it. Um, Skiver is used to be hit or miss with me. I've enjoyed his work a lot more lately. Uh, I don't know the totality of it. I have no idea where it came from. I didn't read the previous series, so I was kind of lost when I read it. But you pick up pretty quick, and it kind of fills you in. I'll probably give it a, maybe, a, I, because of the badge guy interaction, because I really like Guy Garner. Uh, dude, it's hard to rate it, though, because the end of it makes me sad. I'll give it a four for actually pulling out the emotion in that, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Ross? I'm going to give it probably a four as well. Um I also really, really liked the guy and badge part at the start. And Kilowog was perfect for me as a character. It was great. I do think it's funny that Baz was supposed to be, like, the next big Green Lantern, and now he's just another one of the Green Lanterns with all of them, which is cool. I'm glad that they're using the character like that and not giving making him, like, a huge deal. Yeah. Um, well, it, it, it's more of an ensemble cast right now, too. Yeah. Because... We show Guy and Badge, we show Kilowog, and we show John. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So we, we get more of them toward the front, I think. Yeah. So maybe Baz's time is coming. Maybe, yeah. <clears throat> and the, uh, like Curtis said, they had some really good emotion stuff going in there. It's the first Green Lantern book I've read in a long time that I really enjoyed. So, yeah, four. Cool. Um, You know, I give it three and a half. It's good. The art's great. I mean, it's... But you said Ethan's, he's been doing it for a while. He's awesome. Um, story-wise, it was fun. Like, I, the, the, the confrontation at the front with, like, he's so, Baz and Badge are both awesome. Well, Badge, awesome. Baz, eh, he's coming into his own maybe at some point. But, uh, the idea of, of, of that whole group running around together, I like that we're not just seeing the corporate being the same four guys. Mm-hmm. Because for a while it was just the same four guys over and over again. And while I like Kilowog and I like John and I like Guy, and I think that's fine. The whole idea of the corpus that we need the other characters to make part of it, otherwise it might as well just be the Fantastic Four of the Green Lanterns. And I agree with that. <clears throat> but from the beginning, I don't remember any of the others' names. Uh, Arizia is there in Iolande, but I can't remember anybody else's name. Right. And it may be because, were they in the Lost Army? I don't remember seeing them there. Uh, but this monk-looking dude, I mean, he looks pretty cool. Mm. But yeah, I, I think he's actually been around for a little while. He's just been a real small-time lantern. He, he was real important a little while ago because he was one of the first ones who said he wasn't going to use the ring anymore. That's the same dude? Yeah. Oh. I think it's just a different artist. Take. And he does go into it with this one, too. We don't need the rings because we got Mogo. Mm-hmm. So... Um, what would I? I'm sorry. I don't think you. Oh, no, you're good. It. Go ahead, Robert. Um, one of the things I liked about it is that it seemed like for a little while there, both in Green Lantern and in Green Lantern Corp, we'd have a new team come on and they would feel like they needed to make a whole new grip of uh, recruits or new lanterns that they were going to focus on. You know, so for there for a little while, we were focusing on the two different ones from Thanagar, mm. which were really cool and. Um, then we had like John Stewart's group with the like big biz- b- barbarian character who lost his arm, and um, two or three others from there. What I like is that they took all of those characters that kind of got shuffled away 
and they put them all back into this story. And so it was nice to see Baz again, but it's good to see all the recruit characters that they've made over the last several years together in one story. So I I think it's going to be fantastic. I don't think we're going to get a lot of these lanterns out of it. I think probably some of those characters are not going to make it through this story. I don't know major characters, but... Um, but yeah, this is this is a really great, I think, takeoff from the Lost Army. So I I give it a four. So. Cool, That's good okay. stuff. Um, all right, yeah, it's, look look forward to that one. That's also a mini series. I think it's set up to be it's an eight part, isn't it? Uh, six. Six part. part. Okay. They may extend it, but I, you know, I kind of think it's going to go chapter to chapter, kind of like they did Lost Army, which I mean, that's cool for a while I mean, whatever. Um, all right, so move on to Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, uh, issue zero. Mr. Rosh, want to tell us some Power Ranger action? Yeah, so Mighty Morphin Power Rangers zero is kind of an interesting thing, uh, first off with, like, the setting of it, because it's set right after the Green with Evil episodes of the show, which... If you don't know, that was where they introduced the Green Ranger, and right. he was the bad one, and then you find Turn. out he's mind-controlled in the end. Um, but what's interesting about it is it doesn't take place, like, in the 90s when the show takes place. It takes place now, so they still have, like, cell phones. and. Well, it's modern, a modern-age version of it, yeah. even though the cast is the same cast. Exactly. Um, so the story mainly revolves around, even though... Tommy, who was the Green Ranger, is out of, uh, what was her name? Uh, Rita's control? Yeah. Even though he's out of her control, he still is getting, like, it's like she brainwashed him more than mind control. So he's still getting, like, where she's in his head and telling him to, you're nothing without me, and you should really do this, and it's really getting to him. Right, so in the program, he's still there and haunting him. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... And, and mainly that's what the issue, well, the issue has three different stories. The main story is mainly about that, though, and how when he goes into battle, he can't focus on the battle and he can't control his Zord because he's so upset and so taken with this mind-washing that's going on with him. Right, he's, uh, he's unsure of himself because of the programming that came from Rita and it makes him hesitate and not trust himself and... I don't know, it's all the interpersonal battle with, with the programming that she put in him. Mm. Um, you get some really cool, in the first story and the last story, you get some really cool Zord fights. And you get to see a lot of the the Zords interacting individually, which was really awesome to me, because the show obviously couldn't do a lot of that stuff. Um, so it was cool to see, like, there's a part where Kimberly has to take the pterodactyl to save some cars, and it just comes off the Megazord and goes and does its own thing while it's still fighting. Right, and split apart and use the individual powers. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Some cool fights there, and, and uh, they did a really good job of differentiating each of the characters, too. So they make a point of telling you that Jason is the leader of them, and when they're having their meeting in the book... Uh, Zordon explains that you're the leader and you should be doing this, and Tommy, you should be questioning him if you have questions and not... Right, being a new member of the team, if you have... If there's something you don't understand, you have to ask questions. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's very very show-esque. Yeah, and you have a... And I like how they made Billy like Donatello almost, is what he reminded me of, where he's 
Like, I made push notifications for you guys, and I made all your notes for the test coming up, and you actually got to see MB high school kids, which, in the show, they always said they were high school kids, but they mainly just hung out at the gym, so. Right, or at the pizza place or whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's just when they're, when they're going to classes and worrying about tests and stuff. That's, yeah, the Donatello side of things with those, oh, these are to- the tests, everyone's like, the test today? And he's like, oh yeah, I sent you guys notifications. They're like, well, you send notifications about everything. He's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you can tell good. he just is into technology and is right. the smart one of the group. And I, I think as the series go, it's going to be really cool to see all the all the characters and um, their different traits. And, and I think the author is going to do a really, really good job of making sure he hits all the points in each of the characters. Right. If, it, if the first story is an indicator of the rest of it, then yeah. Yeah. And art is great all throughout this book. It's... Uh, <clears throat> You got a whole handful of different artists and writers. And yeah, because uh, for the first stories we have Kyle Higgins mm-hmm. who's writing it, and then it's illustrated by Henry. I'm sorry, Henry Pesterve. 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 I have no idea. How to yeah, say that. I don't know how to say it either. Unfortunately. <laughs> and then the follow-up, like the end book, is done by Megara Scott. And then it's illustrated, it's written by, I'm sorry, McGeer Scott, and then is um, illustrated by Daniel Bayless. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of have the story in the middle, the the ongoing adventures of Bulk and Skull, that is drawn by, or I'm sorry, written by Stephen Orlando, and is illustrated by Connor Howell. Yeah, Corin Howell, yep. Cor- I'm sorry, Corin Howell. No, you're good. Sorry, can't pronounce any of the names right. <laughs> Kyle Higgins was writing Nightwing. Yeah, and Kyle Higgins is writing it, and it's really, really good. He's doing the main story. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, as a whole, I would say that even if you're just a little bit interested in the Power Ranger characters and you like seeing giant robots and you like the superhero stuff, I think you're going to really enjoy the book. I think they did it. I would, I mean, I've gone back and watched a couple episodes of the show kind of in preparation for reading this, and this blows the show out of the water. I would read this any day over watching anything. <laughs> yeah, that was actually one of the things I was really worried about was how they were going to field the story. Yeah. And whether or not it was going to come out and be just kind of a, let's just hope that you remember the show fondly mm. and buy this book and not something that actually had its own life. And I think they did a good job with that. I think it actually feels pretty legit as a as a regular comic. Yeah, and I was actually I was kind of worried the other way around that they would try to make it so adult oriented that they would push it away from what happened in the show. But I think they did a, a really good job of hitting like a middle ground there. Of it ties into the show still. It's got it's deeper though than the show ever was and. You get better characters. Still has its own life to it, yeah. rather than being a recreation of the show where episodes turn into comic book. Yeah, exactly. Right? You got a score for the book there, Ross? I would give it a three and a half out of five. Nice. All right. Um, you know, I I give it a three and a half also. I pretty pretty strong. Like you said, the arts the arts decent in all the books. Um, as far as like stories are concerned, the Bucket Skull one's funny. Um, the other two they're dealing with the the Power Ranger battles, both pretty cool. Um, story-wise, it's interesting that there's three different stories in the same book. Um, but as far as like setups concerned, it was fun, mm-hmm. you know. And I, man, I I don't know if I ever had a real opinion of the Power Rangers before or not, but 
the covers were kind of awesome. Yeah. Like, their covers were really cool to it. And I, I don't know, like, book-wise, I give it a three and a half. It was good. I like, I like the Disfine. I'm interested to see number one has in it. Uh, Mr. Rob? I, I enjoyed it quite a bit as well. I wasn't originally planning to get this book. Um, but when it came out, kind of just perusing through it, you know, there is that nostalgia factor that kind of brought me in. It's nice that it's actually a really good book. So, hopefully it continues to be really good. I mean, I, I'm kind of excited to see what the next issue is going to be like. So, that ought to be... That's a, that's a good point. So, but I, I give it a three and a half as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm Mr. Curtis. I led a different kind of childhood than you guys did. I don't watch this. I don't watch anything, really, besides cartoons. Um, going into it, I didn't expect anything. And it held that for me. Um, I like Higgins. I just don't care about the Power Rangers. Right. Uh, the art was okay. For the writer and the art, I will give it a two and a half. Okay. It's just not my cup OT. So. Makes there's, sense. <laughs> there's going to be a new Power Ranger movie coming out here in the next two years. So. I saw that Power Ranger uh, thing that got pulled. Oh, the, uh, the, like the dark YouTube. Yeah. yeah. The YouTube, uh, I don't even know what you would call that. I'm sure it has a title, but I can't remember what the title there's is. There's somebody famous in it, too. I can't uh, there's, there's a couple of them, actually. Um, we have uh, the Dawson from Dawson Creek, That's whose right. name I don't remember. Uh, is James it Dawson? Vanderbeek. That's the guy, the Vanderbeek. And then it has, uh, why can't I remember her name now? Well, how do you not remember her name? I don't remember. It's the same chick we wanted to play Captain Marvel in the... In the oh, Katie Sackhoff? That's the lady. I yep. can't remember that. Okay, Sackoff was on it. I'll give that a five. I'll give this a two and a half. Nice. <laughs> it was just a more darker. It is. Less... It's more adult, more dark. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't care if it's dark, but it just seemed like a better product than what I've ever seen from them. And that's because they had some type of a budget, I'm guessing, out of pocket from the beak. They must have had something going on. So, it's hard to say. Like who's? I don't know who paid for it. That got me excited but, for that. This didn't get me excited for anything past this. Right. Right. Well, the movie's not supposed to follow that that tone, so we'll see what it winds up being. But I guess the uh, Green Ranger is cast to be in it as whatever. I, I assume Tommy still, but I the, guess we will the see. The new movie is supposed to be a little bit of an edgier thing. Is it? That, like a PG-13 rating type that thing. That is awesome. So I just don't think that, barring superhero movies, these costumes lend to that edgy feel. I don't think it's possible. Hmm. I don't know. I guess, I guess we'll see. Because they're bright. They are bright. You know what I mean? That's, that's a good It's not a dark overtone to anything. Uh, I agree. They just have crazy weapons that leads that they never really use for what they're intended. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't know if you even see it in that. No, well, that, I don't right? think yeah, we use so. any of their special weapons yeah. in this story. In, uh, in, in this comic... It starts with a Green Ranger he ha- holding his sword. Right. You don't really see him using it, but you assume that he he's having this vision of him killing right. all the other ones. With when, his... when, he, when he was using it. I think the only weapon we see used is Jason's sword towards the end. But that's the yeah. only thing that leads me to seeing where I can see a little bit more of like violence and edginess to it. Cause, but they have a sword, an axe, a bow and arrow, crazy trident things. and Maybe a more serious feel to it. Yeah. We'll see. Not like Ninja Turtles 2 where they didn't use their own weapons. 
Yeah. Use like <laughs> yo-yos and sausage links and stuff. <laughs> sausage links are a lot like nunchucks, okay? <laughs> They're frozen. They will hurt. It's very true. It's true. All right, uh, let's move on to Venom Space Knight, number two. Number two. Rob, you want to tell us a story about the Space Knights that uh, are not ROM? We're going to try. Sad. Sad so, <laughs> this is written by Robbie Thompson, with art by Ariel Levandi. Or Olivetti. Oh, Ariel Olivetti. Okay, cool. There we go. So... There's been a lot that's happened with Flash Thompson lately. Uh, one of the biggest things is, while out in space, the symbiote has developed a name. Evidently, there's a whole species out there of these symbiotes. They call themselves the Clayton? Claytar? I'm not sure how you say it. The Claytar. Claytar? Something like that. I'm going to probably call it symbiote still because I'm <laughs> way more familiar with that term. Evidently, Flash has been hearing voices in his head telling him to help people, and that he's now one of the champions of the universe, which is a, a designation that he doesn't quite understand. In doing so, we're seeing him still dealing with kind of his alcoholic problems, and so he's uh, a lot of the story is kind of told through the the medium of his meetings. But yeah, as we catch up with him, he's uh, he's traveled to a new alien world. Where he winds up having to fight these uh, these crazy crab monsters. After dealing with them, he encounters the natives to the planet, who wind up telling him that uh, they were hoping that their god would come down and save them, and that they thought that he was maybe an emissary for their god. Which of course he kind of sets them straight. He doesn't pretend that he's a god of any type, but uh, he knows that he needs to help them. And as they take him back to his village. He finds out that there's been this uh, giant orbital drill that's just dropped onto the planet, and it's been um, destabilizing the planet's um, eco ecosphere. Well, it's keeping these crab monsters from being able to get to their food source, which is making them violent, which is causing the people to not know what to do, so they're praying to their god really hard. Sometimes that helps, evidently. <laughs> Uh, so Venom's basically like, whatever, you know, we'll clear this up, and he winds up destroying the drill. As we get out into space, we actually wind up coming across another spaceship, which might have been the origin of the drill, but as we kind of get into it, we discover more symbiote agents. And we kind of find out from these agents that there's a lot of different uh, cosmic guardians out there. And evidently, it's like the whole purpose of the symbiotes is to raise to this level where they can hear the voice of the cosmos telling them what they should be doing. And so in a way, these alien creatures praying to their god actually clued Flash, Flash into yeah. coming down to the planet and helping them in the first place. And so now these guys are kind of telling them that they, they're kind of evaluating how he does and they want to uh, kind of keep in track, again, keep tracks on what he's doing and, and how he's going to work out and see if he should be brought into the bigger part of the Space Knights. The one thing that we kind of are left with at the end of this is that uh, there's definitely somebody who dropped that drill and somebody who did the things in the first episode uh, issue 
where they were trying to get like a biological weapon built up that is out there that is kind of keeping an eye on Flash and seeing what he's doing. So this is a bigger story that's being built out there. And it's kind of interesting to see them take the idea of the symbiote and make it not only a hero, but like spreading that out to there being more kind of heroic symbiote type characters out there. Because mm-hmm. everything I'd always seen was Venom and Carnage and all of Carnage's side breeds are just insane. Well, yeah. like him, I mean, they're affected by the wearer, so... Hmm. Uh, score for the book, Rob? Uh, I'd give, give it a three and a half. You know, it's good. I, it's just not quite as good, I think, as when he first showed up in the Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, he was, he was just such a great fit. And now just on his own, I don't know. It doesn't quite seem as strong yet. Yeah. And I, th- I think maybe it's just it needs to come into its own. So probably once we get the next two issues in, it'll start feeling like like a, it's it's on the right track. But like right now, it, it just doesn't quite feel as strong as I want it to be. All right. Uh, Curtis? To me, it feels like people aren't going to be happy with this iteration of Venom because he's a Spider-Man villain. You know what I mean? He's associated with Spider-Man. And being alone in space, he's out of his element, but not really because he's from space. Right. And this is a story that's breaching that, which we haven't seen before. Uh, the artist is amazing. I've always yeah. dug his art. Um, the writer, I want to say, wrote Miss Fury for Dynamite, but I can't remember if that was exactly him. Anyway, all that diatribe aside... I'm going to give it 12 issues and a three. All right. <laughs> uh, Mr. Ross? I'm probably going to give this book a 3.5. The art is really good, and I actually really like seeing Venom as, like, a space hero. Instead well, of my argument. <laughs> instead of the Spider-Man villain. It's interesting to see how that's changed over time. But I agree with Rob in that I like him better with the Guardians, with more people around him. But it's kind of interesting. It actually reminds me a lot of Green Lantern reading mm-hmm. this book. So, Yeah, I, I actually I really enjoyed the Flash Thompson Venom. Mm-hmm. They've tried to make Venom a hero for so long, and I think this is the only time it's worked. Mm-hmm. I do miss the tactical gear. It took me a minute to get behind the tactical venom mm-hmm. but now i miss it you yeah. know I, I don't know. <laughs> uh you know i give it a three i mean the art like you said the art is fantastic venom's look is to me is still weird i mean it is the way guardians end the way he looked in the guardians but like like you were saying rob i, I miss the tactical armor mm-hmm. i miss the major diversity not just the weird coloring of the symbiote logo or the symbiote spider as it was um so I kind of wish we get a little more of that back. I mean, it doesn't have to be Deadpool, but as far as look was concerned, it it, it was a really cool look. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll see how long the, the, this thing can ride out. But, yeah, it's an entirely different place we're going to be coming from. At least so far, the first couple of issues have been entertaining. We're not too far into it, so I guess uh, we'll see where it goes. But, yeah, I give it a, I give it a three. Is that the thing? Okay. All right, so, uh, we have Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Ross. Yeah. Number two. Yep. 
You want to tell us a story about some turtles? So, uh, Batman Ninja Turtles number one ended with Batman meeting the Ninja Turtles for the first time. And, of course, they fight because that's what happens. In that's how it always happens. You first meet. So this book starts off right with the Batman Ninja Turtle fight right from the get-go. And it is probably one of the coolest comic book fights I've ever seen. And it's awesome because Batman fights him, and, and Batman, as he's fighting, he's not necessarily fighting to to hurt them. It's more just to figure out what they are. Um, I remember reading somewhere that, you know, Batman's used to fighting Killer Croc, which is a giant crocodile man. So giant turtles are not necessarily something that's too far out of his They're not that mindset. Different. No. Um, and so he fights all the turtles, and he manages to, to take one of Raphael's size and one of Michelangelo's nunchucks, and he's fighting all four of the Ninja Turtles at the same time with one of the nunchucks and one of the size. And he pretty easily gets rid of all four of them. Um, he does kind of use his car to help him, which I kind of thought was cheating a little bit, but... <laughs> Batman uses all his tools, Ross. Batman does not cheat. I know. Or he cheats all the time. One of, <laughs> one of those two. Depends on how you look at it. But uh, then uh, Master Splinter shows up, and he actually kind of has a little bit of a tough time with Master Splinter, which kind of makes sense, I guess, you know? Well, he's supposed to be the Master of the Turtles, so... Yeah. He's like Yoda. Yep. So pretty cool fights there. Um, when Batman leaves, he analyzes Raphael's side to kind of try to figure out where they came from. And he finds out that they came from another dimension. And an interesting point of them coming from another dimension, you find out, is that they're going to slowly revert back to just being turtles because of being in a different dimension than the one they're from. Um, And in the other side of the story, you see Shredder has teamed up with Penguin. And he's told Penguin's men that he's going to pay them to get the this Wayne... Uh, generator. It's a piece of something that'll help them bring, get the portal to go back to their dimension. And Shredder has also figured out that the turtles are going to revert. And so he's planning on leaving them there and just going back. And you get this really cool thing where uh, he, he's talking to Penguin and they're like, okay, where's our money for doing this? And Shredder's like, oh, there isn't any money. And, of course, all penguins. Men turn their guns on Shredder, and then all the foot ninjas show up out of nowhere and take down penguin men. So you kind of see how Shredder's going to take control of Gotham pretty simply. With well, he just lies to them and has the, his own ninjas take over afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's penguins men get get up, up in arms about it, but and obviously so outmatched. Now, he, now he's in control, because penguin, he was going to kill penguin, and penguin, of course, begs for his life and tells him he'll do anything. See, now you have this kind of cool where Shredder is in charge of basically all Gotham's underworld now, too, <laughs> with the Penguin. So, cool setup for the next issue. That's And that's what this issue mainly was, but it was probably the best setup I've ever read. Um, between finding out that the Turtles and Splinter are going to start reverting back to just animals, and then now that Shredder is basically in control of Gotham crime, it's kind of crazy issue so i would give this probably a four and a half out of five it was a really mm. good issue all right the art is fantastic on it too it's good stuff all right um you know i i give it three and a half it's it's good i mean it's it's a fun story it's a fun setup 
It's a fun crossover. Um, yeah, I give it a three and a half. And the art is fantastic, so that doesn't doesn't hurt at all. Um, Rob, you know I I've loved both of these franchises so far, so I'm I'm gonna give it a four. I really like where we're going. I I think it's gonna be a neat story. It would be really easy to just have it be kind of a real easy team up with no consequences, but I I like that it's kind of like they both exist in each other's world. It's not just a well, let's just throw the turtles in Gotham or let's just throw Batman in New York. So, alright. Uh, credits. I like Batman, and I like the Ninja Turtles. And when you put them together, I like it. <laughs> I'll give it... What'd you give it? Four and a half. I was going to give it a three and a half. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's a good it's, job. It's better than Batman and Judge Dredd. <laughs> okay. That's it's okay. better than Batman and the Punisher. Okay. I would I would honestly say this is the best comic book crossover I've read. And I've read a lot of comic book crossovers. They are your favorite thing, Ross. Yep. So that Even that's Scooby Doo? I'd say that's better than the Scooby Doo crossovers, yeah. And that's really saying something if you don't know. <laughs> that should be a quote on the back of a book somewhere. It, it, the big thing for this is is they're just doing different things with it, and you have a writer that's really attached to both the characters and, and is writing everyone with the right tone, and you have really good art with it. It's something that was put a lot of care into, and I don't think that happens a lot of times with crossovers. I think a lot of crossovers, they just assume that because they have two things that people like, they'll just read it no matter what, which right. they obviously do because I read all of them that come out pretty much. And, <laughs> but, yeah. I would say this one's on top, and then the Archie versus Predator was probably right after this. All right. That one was crazy, too. All right. Uh, so, uh, let's see. You guys want to do some books to watch? Uh, Curtis? I don't have any off the top of my head. I'll show you. Head. Faster than light? Faster than light, okay, from an image. Keep reading that stupid crossover book. The Turtles and Batman? Yeah. Okay. That's pretty good. It's kind of interesting. Interested to see where the, the Green Lantern Corps goes. Huh? Um, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ross? Oh, I'd definitely say keep going with Batman Ninja Turtles, and this Power Rangers stuff has actually been really good. Uh, the big one that I'm really excited for, it's coming out in April, I think I read, is Poe Dameron. How do you say his last name? Dameron. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars comic, which is written by Charles Soule and drawn by Phil Noto. It should be awesome. And it's the stories of Poe and his fellow X-Wing pilots trying to find Luke Skywalker and BB-8 with them. And it sounds like it'll be a really cool book. Right on. Yeah, that, the setup for that seems pretty cool. Mm. It's kind of funny because he's like the first character they made a big, like, telling his story for for the movie. And he was actually supposed to be killed at the very start of the movie <laughs> right? originally. So. Yeah, or he's a Cylon. Yeah. So that's what they did with Wedge. But he didn't turn out to be anything except in the Expanded Universe. But right. He's awesome in the Expanded oh, Universe. Oh, no, I agree. Unless he's a Cylon also. So I, I just don't want to like Poe that well because Wedge is my guy. Yeah. 
We'll see. This is a totally <laughs> different thing. I'm mainly excited because it, it'll have a lot of BB-8 in it, and BB-8 is my new favorite <laughs> Star Wars character. Those so. dogfights with the X-Wings in the movie. They were cool. Yeah, yeah. they were awesome. Yeah. Those are, uh, every time I saw those, I got goosebumps. I don't mm-hmm. know why. They're good, dude. They were awesome. Well, the thing about Poe is that we already had, he's one of the only ones that they've touched in the comic books forward to the new movie. Yeah. I mean, Grant is not directly, but it's, I mean, we basically meet his parents in that Shattered Empire book. Yeah, so. Shattered Empire was all about his parents. So, so, as far as that goes, I mean, he's the only one they've really leaned to in the books. Hmm. So far, at least. And spoiler. Hey, honestly, I think... Only, I, only throughout the books. No, no. I think the reason why they've done that is probably because he's not as important as some of the other new main characters. But, okay. I mean, not as important to the ongoing plot of the movies. We'll see if that's true or not, Ross. Maybe he's the Sith Lord in the end. And we're likely Jar Jar Binks. When he, when he came in, spoiler, when he came in on that planet, I think it's Yavin. Is it Yavin where they meet Mazra? I thought it was, and it turns out it's some new planet. It's not Yavin. No. Okay. Anyway, when they, when Poe comes in on that planet, uh-huh. and he takes out like five Tie Fighters just in that half circle that he did around uh, Finn, mm-hmm. right? That was the best crap ever. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> oh my god, that was awesome. His X-wing is definitely my favorite ship of oh, all yeah. time too. And and Finn didn't even know it was him. Mm-hmm. My God, that's so sweet. Sorry. If, if Finn hadn't messed it up with being like, that's a great pilot, that would have been okay. Yeah, no, that was a good little touch. <laughs> or, or he could have done that's air guns. That's how you fly. Yeah. <laughs> air guns afterwards. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> a little, little you, more hillbilly. Either be, either be just terrible as you can be or just not have the line at all. At least he didn't, <laughs> least he didn't say, the plane, the plane. Yeah, <laughs> he's too tall for that. I, although there was a couple of times where even in my head I'm like, that's pod racing in that film. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I'm like, but god dang it. <laughs> that's gonna come up in the next one, I think. Damn you, pod Lucas. Racing. Yep. Uh. You know what? It, it, it's not a bad idea into itself. Just, you know, don't have anybody use that as like a, an exclamation point, you know? Yeah. That's pod racing. You made a pretty fun video game. I did. <laughs> god. Alright, Rob Books to Watch. God. Man. Well, now I've ruined everything. All I can think of is that terrible stuff. Uh, there's a lot of great Star Wars books coming out right now. Um, Wayward has been fantastic still. As far as I'm concerned, that's still a great one to keep an eye on. There's a lot of great things coming out of Marvel right now. In The Extraordinary X-Men, I believe, is one of the top ones for me. Um, been really happy with Nova and the all-new, all-different Avengers. And they they finally got Secret Wars done, so Secret Wars. Keep 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 a lookout for that. Finish Secret Wars, <laughs> but um, Batman and Superman are both going to be returning here pretty soon to, you know, kind of who they normally should be. So Batman's story is going to be huge here pretty soon, um, but we also have Batman Dark Knight, which is a miniseries that's running right now, which has been. Pretty darn good, and they're gonna the Frank Miller Brian has Rollo. Yeah, yeah, it's been good. They're gonna wrap up Batman Europa here soon, which has been fantastic. And I know a lot of people don't like it because it's just Superman, but Superman and Lois Lane has been fantastic. It's yeah, really, really something like to give a look one. to. Yeah, it's really good. And actually, speaking of that, I forgot this with mine, but in a coming up issue of Superman, you're gonna have Superman meet Superman from. 
Bum, bum, bum. Superman meets Superman? Yep. You're crazy. Yep. Too many Supermans. <laughs> so what's the word on the street with DC? Are they bringing back the prior 52? No. This current Superman from the Superman Lois Lane, he's from the previous universe, and her, apparently a version where they had a child together. Um, but he's supposed to be pre-New 52 Superman. Hmm. So he's not from the same... Exact point where New 52 ended. Should be pre Or prior New 52 ended. I think it's something different. Pretty sure. <laughs> uh, but when Rob says back to normal continuity, like the issue 50s are going to be a big deal for all the New 52 books. They're going to be bigger issues too. And uh, at that point, we're supposed to be back to Bruce in the suit is what they're saying and Superman with his powers in theory. Uh, other than that, I don't know. I guess it might make number 50 pop off and be some crazy universe change, but so far we haven't seen hints of that yet. I'd be surprised, but I guess a lot of this is is payoff for convergence. Mm. So, like, we're seeing little things. So, like, well, Lois Superman, Superman, Lois, yeah, that's yeah. definitely from convergence. Uh, Green Lantern, we're seeing parallax, right? Which is also a convergence thing. So, you know, I mean, we're seeing little things of that bleed back in. So, maybe convergence wasn't as uh, unimportant as it might have seemed at the time. <laughs> We'll, we'll we'll see. Um, okay, well let me uh, let's see. Book wise, uh, I would say watch for Rom. This Rom from oh, from yeah. IDW because I think that'll be freaking awesome. Love me some Rom. They can't call him a Space Knight. Though. You know, I don't know. I don't can't remember how how that's titled. I think it is actually Rom I, Space Knight. I think it is. Hmm. Rom Space Knight. I wonder if Marvel was just trying to steal their thunder. Oh, prob- on, probably. Like, who can we make a Space Knight because Rom's coming back? We're afraid. <laughs> like, we'll make Venom a Space Knight. Oh, that makes perfect no, sense. No, they're like, why are you afraid? That was crap. <laughs> <laughs> You're afraid no. of the toaster head? It, he's the best ever. God. Best ever. His scanning gun is also a death gun. Ultimate <laughs> nullifier, man. Oh, I had it on the wrong setting. <laughs> Kills anything. <laughs> Rom only makes mistakes. When you can see it happen, <laughs> man. If they had a Rom, Better Ray Bill team up, that'd be awesome. That'd be freaking great. <laughs> that would be way cool. That'd be awesome. Um, so I say uh, Rom Space Knight from IDW. Um, I'm still saying watch out for Iron Fist and the uh, Power Man. So a couple more pages show up from that from uh, Sanford Green's uh, Facebook. He posted a couple pictures online or yesterday actually. Is a scene that's very reminiscent of Pulp Fiction with Danny and the. Uh, Luke in a in a booth at a restaurant. Uh, awesome, looks great. So, Wasn't that a scene from Her- when Harry met Sally too? Uh, they were at a table and chair. Oh, they had not a booth. That different. Okay, but they were both in restaurants. So I guess sort of the same. <laughs> oh, That'd be a terrible book. Yeah, uh, you know I don't know. We'll see. I think uh, Luke. Uh, well, Harry met Sally would be a different. Thing. What are you talking about? <laughs> keep keep going with your bullcrap. All right. Uh, so I'd say those, and then uh, that I, that's an um, non amount of ideas now. Good. That's what I get. Uh, anything else, lads? That's it. No. Tiki. 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 No. Tiki. Yeah. There you go. Tiki. <laughs> 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 